0: So what Anais has Told us that Rambam on the Pusik V'yiv is Eisav as a B'choyer. He explains why it was why was Aysef the B'choyer. Why was he ready to give it away and sell it? She says that Eisav was afraid that because he's, you know, because he's chasing animals in the in the forest, the hunting, it's very dangerous over there. So he'll probably die before his father. And what's he going to have from the B'choyer? You know, if, if the B'choyer is only worth something after after his father's death, that's when that's when you know there's the point of being in being the Bukhari at Pishnayim. What's he going to have from it? And the Pusik says, Because after he ate and drank, he went back to hunt some more. And that's really the reason why he wasn't interested in the Bukhoyer, because He says, silly people, people that aren't too smart, (laughs) all they want to do is eat and drink and do whatever they want in the moment. They don't think about tomorrow. Living in the moment, right now I could eat, right now I could drink, right now I could enjoy myself. Take the b'chayr, that's that's a long time thing. Uh, You know, who knows if I'll even get there? It's not worth anything to me if I I I need I need I need whatever I need now. Living in the moment, and that's why it didn't mean anything to him. And the Rambam calls this uh, He Said this this is how people who aren't too intelligent think. They just think about the moment. Sometimes we we. We learn about Yankov and ice and the Bechayra, and it's more about, uh, you know, Aesav took this world and Yaakov took the next world. It, it's not it's not really that. Hashem definitely made this world for everyone to enjoy and everyone to benefit from. Right? The, some talks about it when you make a, and the, berukha, berukh say lunas, the Hashem made Ilunas, Talvis, Lehunas, Ben Benayudam. Hashem definitely wanted us to enjoy this world. Right? The point is not to uh, refrain from every kind of enjoyment in this world. This world is a wonderful place that Hashem made that everyone should benefit from the most, in, in, in all area, but the xilim are the ones that only live in the moment if you only live in the moment then the only thing that's worth anything to you is, is this second the here and the now which automatically takes you focus off the, big, the, the the bigger picture even in Gashmias even in this world if you look at the big picture there's, there's, there's different Cheshbainas people would make you just live in the moment that's first of all second of all when it comes to Ruchniyas, when it comes to the real big picture when it comes to Olam Haba when it comes to the next world when it comes to what's really important then, then there's a whole new dimension not just living in the here and the now, and really seeing the important things in life. So, I think this is such an important lesson, um, both when it comes to relationships in general. If you want to succeed in any relationship, you can't live in the here and the now. If somebody says something or does something or, or uh, behaves in a way that you don't like, and you're going to respond because right now, right here, you know, in this moment, I'll feel better if I lash out or react. Uh, however, it may affect my relationship in the big picture, then, then you're not going to be successful. And unfortunately, many people just live in the moment. They just blurt out whatever comes up, whatever whatever they think, and whatever is going to make them feel a little a little more uh, you know, in control of the situation. And then, what does that do in a relationship in general? So, that's, looking at the big picture is definitely one of the keys to success in the relationship in general. And when it comes to marriage, there's, there's the other lesson that I mentioned before, and that is that you know between understanding the really important things in life, the important things of, of being mamad, doros, shurim having children, and uh, building a home, that's a place for Ashurah Sashchidna. Ish There's so many added things that if you only live in the here and the now, you, you miss all that. All the important things, all the real things in life, you could miss if you only focused on the present without seeing what's bigger than that. So, you know, one thing, these are things that we could definitely learn, from what we learned about Aesov, you know, who didn't uh, do too well with selling the B'choyle. So let me read uh, parts of an email It's a little touchy, sometimes I I try to avoid these topics, but then again, on the other hand, I try not to avoid any topic that people send in, so let's try to figure this out together. Okay, hi, thanks in advance for reading this email. I'm a 20-year-old bocher who comes from chsidische circles, and I'm gaining back my footage, so to say, from a rough patch that lasted for over two years. Yet interestingly to most people, I'm a really khushiva, heilige chsidische Bukhar. Now, I was not actually religious for two years, although I looked at it, and was still learning full, okay, most of the time, Okay. It was partially my parents' fault for driving me over the edge with whatever started this whole thing, but that's not the point. Okay? The problem is now, whenever it'll be, that everyone's everyone's got a say in what I'm supposed to do and decide that it's time for me to get married. Where do I look and what am I looking for? And I'm not gonna elaborate on the way he presents his his question over here and the different sides of the of his doubts. You know, I'm looking for a very a balanced girl coming from a home like I come from, let's say, or is that not what I need and now that I became more open-minded and saw what there is out there and, and I know that you know this is very, whatever, maybe I'm looking really for something else to be married to someone else. Okay, so, and and he goes into detail about what, what is, you know, what, what he thinks he would appreciate more in marriage and why somebody that's coming from the same community as him, let's call it, might not, you know, fulfill that, uh, what he's looking for. I'll, I'll just add a few lines. I'm what they call a romantic, okay? If anyone knows the Enneagram? will understand maybe what that means. Now, I know it's considered Goyish, but I'm asking as a hopeless fellow, what's the reality? What's the reality of uh, the Haimish idea of marriage? Is it like in the show on Orthodox? So again, I hope, I hope nobody watching this is going to watch the show on Orthodox or watched it, but over there they portray a Jewish marriage as being a very technical relationship. Being that that's the only peek I've had into the actual details of a Jewish marriage, so I want to know, you know, is that is that what I'm getting myself into by marrying someone that comes from Chassidish home? And then he goes into another um, whole part of this that there's a lot of not good stuff going on out there. And I think it's important to bring awareness so people know what goes on and they should be prepared for it and they shouldn't fall into it, etc., etc. Okay, so I left out most of what was written almost, but. Um, so let me just try to let me just try to focus our conversation here on on three points um, that, that I'm picking up on this email basically one is you know this boy's history and his rough patch that he's been through one is looking for the right shidduch. and one is understanding what a Jewish marriage is about okay so let's let's see if we could say something that would uh, be helpful and beneficial to our, all our listeners. My point is obviously not just to answer this boy. Maybe he's married by now, even, since he sent in the question. But, but let me see if, if we could discuss these topics. So the first thing that I want to say is that, you know, this is something partially my parents fault. I'm not, I'm not even going to go into that. I, I feel for you. Um, it is very possible your parents made mistakes. As a matter of fact, I think I also know someone who once made a mistake. No, I'm just kidding. I think everyone makes mistakes. And I think it's normal for parents to make mistakes. And whoever's going to look back at their parents and find the mistakes their parents made and start blaming whatever they go through on those mistakes... Probably not the way to go. I assume you'll also make mistakes. Um, your, your children might pick up on them too. I've made mistakes. My parents made mistakes. My grandparents made mistakes. My children are going to make mistakes. So, you know, we, we should be taking responsibility for our own lives and, you know, seeing where people made mistakes as opposed to noticing all the good things that they did and all the healthy things they did and all the wonderful things they did. It's just, it's just, not, a, it's just not a healthy perspective. Now, I know some people make bigger mistakes than others and some people make mistakes that cause more damage than others. I, I'm not here to justify any mistake. I'm saying that the focus and the, and the responsibility and the blame, it's just not such a healthy uh, perspective that people keep on harping on and people blaming on and then justifying and rationalizing a lot of their own stuff because of the mistakes. I'm just mentioning it. But that wasn't what I wanted to say. Uh, what I wanted to say is that you, you mentioned that for two years you weren't actually religious. Now, I know you, actually, you even then go on and say that you were actually learning for a full time. So, But, but I, I just want to, again, pick up just on the wording. I don't mean to nitpick. There's no such thing as being irreligious. There's no such thing as being religious, it's not an identity. Every yid is a yid, and you'll always be one. The best person always could be better. The worst person, unfortunately, could always be worse. And we're all somewhere in the middle trying our best in our journey in this world. To identify as being irreligious or or yes being, it doesn't matter what you identify as. It doesn't matter if you think you're from or not. It doesn't matter if you claim not to be or claim yes to be. It doesn't matter if you say you are and you're you're behaving not, or you say you're not and you're behaving yeah, It doesn't matter. A lot of these, these words are just words that people identify with and it causes them a lot of mishmash. you know, not realizing, what am I? You're not anything. You're, you're a yid, and you have to do what you have to do. And regardless of how you see yourself or identify, it doesn't matter. So, so all the, a lot of these terms are definitely um, very misleading uh, when people start getting into that identity crisis of am I, am I not, what am I, who am I, things like that. Now the fact that you've been through two difficult years and that you're gaining your footage back, that's, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. I have no words. It's, it's wonderful. It's It's not easy. Uh, people that have been through difficulty sometimes can't find their way back or, or struggle to find their way back. And the fact that you're holding there already is, is Chaz HaShem. And every eat it can always start fresh, not just after two difficult years, not just after two difficult days, but after every minute. We, that, that's what we believe in. We believe in the idea of Chiva. Of we believe in the Eschat We believe in whatever it takes for a person to you know, just keep on renewing his his um, his, his attitude and, and his connection to the ay and yeah, everybody has these ideas in their head. A lot of Bukhin go through this. A lot of adults go through this. What am I? Like, it wasn't good. The past wasn't good. The present is no good. It doesn't matter. We keep on trying. And we're going to keep on having these difficulties. On a bigger scale, a smaller scale, we keep on going through these these uh, parts of life that, that throw us off and that make us wonder. Somebody was just telling me recently a story of, of, of a woman who went totally off the derch and Bukhshan came back, like most people do in the end, because there's nowhere to go. And... Realized that it all started, mummish from a clinic. I just right? started something so small that, by mistake, she had some connection with somebody. The whole thing started with a mistake, and and the amount of guilt and the amount of uh, you know bad feelings and, and feeling so lost and so helpless and so hopeless just threw her totally over the edge. And, and yeah, by the time you go around the block, you come back beaten up. So everyone could come back, and everyone should come back, and everyone does come back, mostly. Uh, but you come back beaten up. It's, it's not easy. So anyone that could avoid these kind of things by not um, you know, by not, not being so overtaken by these overwhelming, uncomfortable feelings of doing the wrong thing. you know, It's all part of being human. Now, just to understand one step deeper, I think this is good for everyone to, to think about and hear about. Um, you never want to identify with a problem. Every yid is good. We are inherently good. We're, we're, we're Hashem's people, Hashem's children. We're good. We do things that aren't great. That's because we have a Yitzharu who is making us th- do things that are not great. And we're responsible for them. The point is not to say, well, it's not me. But to, to, in some sense, we are supposed to say it's not me, which means I don't identify with it. If I do bad things every day, then it's not that I'm bad every day. It's that the things I do are bad and somebody's causing me to do them and I want to get out of that. I, I want to get out of that. I want to connect with Hashem and, and get away from the one who's causing me to do bad things. Instead of uh, thinking that Hashem not happy with me because I'm the bad guy and, and that's why I'm disconnected. It's, it's an identity issue. Netanya in, in Pirkei Zayn, when he talks about um, people that have bad thoughts and they they you know they feel very bad they feel very discouraged by the fact that they keep on it, it keeps on you know, entering their mind bad ideas and he tells you to just be uh, bimsiyadas just think about other things and just try to you know not not, not uh, go into it and he gives an example he says like if somebody is davening in a goy is standing there and and, give, and and screaming at it and screaming or making noise or you know being the kapunas kabunas at is, is disturbing him. You know? So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look the other way, you're supposed to not think about it. You're supposed to try to distract yourself and not and not get overtaken while someone else is screaming. Now to me it was always simple but interesting that I just saw somebody recently explaining the Pairiktanya and he like oh like literally skipped over this this idea that to me was so novel and so beautiful. They're saying that, you know, the Tanya is teaching you that the way to do it is to be m'sir das, Just like you see that when someone's screaming, you have to be m'sir das. You have to think about other things. So, so too when it's, yeah, it's, uh, What what I felt was a much bigger chiddush than the Tanya. That's why I'm, I'm bringing it out here because maybe it's not so obvious. Is that the Tanya is helping us understand that when you have a bad thought or a bad feeling or a bad behavior or bad, or whatever it is, it's not you. It's just like a guy who's causing you to do bad things. When a guy is disturbing your Davani, right? Your Davani Marav in the shul, and the guy who's coming to clean, starts screaming about why everyone's still Davani, he wants to clean up already. Nobody identifies with that. Nobody feels bad, like, oh, my Davani was disturbed. I must be a bad person. <laughs> i shaking a guy. He's supposed to be cleaning, he's coming too early, he wants to go party, and he's disturbing my Davani. You look at it like something. Now, the truth is that your Davani was disturbed. The truth is that it was very hard to concentrate. You didn't daven too well tonight, but it was the guy doesn't mean that you should say, "Oh, so it's fine. I don't have to daven." No, if you know the guys in the coming every night and try to go somewhere else and daven, but you don't identify with it. So I'm just bringing this back here that you know people are disappointed about themselves when they find themselves challenged, um, even just by having this se'iona or being tempted, and other people feel bad about themselves when they see that they go through a difficult time. And it's always good to remember that's not who I am. Um, being irreligious or seeing that as an identity or identifying with the bad times that you've been through, you know, it's it's definitely. Uh, you know something that pulls down people now may bring let me just mention one thing that you mentioned at the end because i don't want to go into it too much but bringing awareness to problems that exist um you know how much should we let people understand that there's bad things out there how, how helpful will it be when we educate children about all the problems that there are and all the different pitfalls and all the different uh, things that could come their way you know it, it's an old debate it's a very old debate many people who have been, unfortunately been there and done that and they've been in, in, in the situations that are no good they feel like we should be bringing more more awareness and, and expose everyone to understand what's happening so they shouldn't go through that those who haven't been there and haven't done that Baruch Hashem feel like what do you mean you're gonna, you're gonna educate innocent people about all the things that are out there who knows what that could do to someone all that kind of exposure now I'm not the one that's gonna decide who's right and wrong um, I understand that that you know some people see it as a holy mission to educate people and bring awareness but Again, other people feel it's too dangerous. This is not something for me to decide. This is something for uh, bigger people than myself, manigas rul, to understand. And, and there's different views and different uh, um, 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 approaches and attitudes to this. So let me just suffice with that. Now, when it comes to I get a Mazel I did a shidduch myself, I have shvah to help him by everyone of Simcha's. And one of, the, one of the things that I got and I have a Rebbe and I have someone to turn to and get guidance from when it comes to anything that we're not sure about, and so it's not always easy to, to be sure. But one of the things that my Rebbe told me from his father, the Alta Toltsan Rebbe, was that, right, when something is, is attracting and pulling, then it's assuming that there's something, you know, there's some, there's some, it could be a sign of the right Shidduch. Now, there's definitely, so what I mean to say is that when it comes to somebody who's so uncertain about what to look for you want to feel good about a shidduch you're doing that's for sure if people are telling you to do a shidduch and you don't like it it's not talking to you you're afraid it's not for you it's not not something you're interested in and you're just doing it you know there's something to that and people should know it now i'm not sure if i'd get up and say this in every yeshiva and talk about this in every school but i'm talking about it anytime i know that most of my listeners you know by the time you're watching Torah anytime there's enough other things you can watch anyway and, and get this kind of education but the truth is that you should feel good about a shidduch. Unfortunately, I had many people come to me and tell me that uh, from day one I wasn't happy. So of course now I don't have shown bias ten years later. And I'm also saying this because I think it's important for parents to know this. You can do a shidduch with a child, and you could, you could, you know, Your child's too naive or too young or too uh, uh, compliant and obedient and just goes along with whatever you're putting on them. But if they're not happy with it, you know, it, it might not, it might not be the, the right thing. It's not a question. Now sometimes people get attracted or overtaken by things that are totally external or trivial, right? Well, what would somebody say about a guy who says, well, satzit bagvir, he's saying right? It's, it's tempting to me to become an aydem, by, by somebody who has a lot of money. Is that called uh, attracted? You know, everyone can be attracted to something else, and then you say, well, this is what's pulling me. Now, of course, there are the real things, and there's real connection, and there's real relationship, and that's you know that, that's really what's, what's most important. For those who do trust their parents, and those who feel good about knowing that their parents know what's best for them, and they feel comfortable with that, and they go along with it. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, you know, not everyone has to have those ideas of let me see and let me feel and let me know. And I, you know, who said it? Of course, for anyone who's um, who, who feels good and and okay with the fact that the parents know what's best for them and the way they grew up is the way they want to continue and everything, that that's wonderful. That's how it's been. That's how it will be. And very healthy and very normal. The second somebody, for whatever reason, doesn't feel that way, then it's important to either communicate with your parents and know what you're looking for, and parents understand the child. Or sometimes, unfortunately, for, 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 you know, for young adults to have their own ideas. Now, chaz v'shulam doesn't mean to go look for your own shidduch in the street. It doesn't mean to, to convince yourself that you're smarter than everyone else. It doesn't mean to tell your parents what you want. But you might want to discuss it with somebody who knows more than you, because it's so often, or so subjective that we don't really realize. I've seen so many people, again, unfortunately, you know, very old single, open-minded, or whatever the issue is. And now I find in my own shidduch, I know what's best for me. And people make such mistakes. People make such mistakes. You don't have experience, right? It's the first time you're getting married. And you feel that something's pulling you. Oh, it's pulling me. This is what talks to me. This is who I am. And then you fall into something that's so not good for you. I'm not going to elaborate on all the reasons behind why this happens, but it happens so often. So for all those people who think that they're very smart, they know everything themselves, and they'll be able to figure out on their own what's good for them, discuss it at least with somebody who's either a little smarter, a little deeper, a little more intelligent. Not a therapist who's divorced and can't make their own marriage work. And not a therapist who's older, single. And I'm saying these things because unfortunately I see so many people that are giving advice in marriage, you know, when they when they either have never done it or don't know what it is or are resisting it themselves or don't respect it or don't understand it. You know, talk to somebody who you trust, who knows you, and knows what's good for you. And maybe somebody who could also talk to your parents and make sure you all get on the same page. You know, I just yourself, unfortunately, sometimes people just look at, for the opposite of what they grew up with I'm saying this because of what you're writing to me, and I just saw this uh, recently as well. You know, what I grew up with wasn't good. I'm doing just the opposite. You know, go find just the opposite. You know, as if that's that's the, the glick. Unfortunately, so many people make these uh, mistakes. I would say in general that I think you need help. I'm saying this to the questioner. You've been through difficulties. You know, show what you want. Uh, forget about just to know what to look for. In general, you want to you want to sort out your thoughts and get some. You want to have some kind of mentor, some kind of guide, somebody who could help you. You know, be the best person you could be. Okay. Now, let's go on to the next point, which is maybe the more touchy part of of our discussion. Based on what you saw in some movie, you decide that the Jewish marriage, or the Yiddish marriage, I don't know what it is that you want to call it, the Haimish way of getting married, I I don't know the terms, um, is too technical. And it's not uh, romantic enough. It's not loving enough. It's not uh, fun enough. I I don't know exactly how you want to express it. Now, you're not going to wonder if I let's call it, stick up for the Yiddish way of getting married, right? That's what I'm here for, right? You could have asked this question to someone else. So it's no surprise. But I do want to bring it out in two different ways. We probably spoke about it in the past, but I hope that this will be helpful for everyone listening. You know, there's there's definitely... um, The the whole... Where do I start? Okay. The The whole liberalism and the whole idea that the whole American culture is built on of do what you want and just do whatever pleases you, whatever pulls you, whatever attracts you, like, no no rules, no, no restrictions, no anything. Nobody should be telling me what to do. Right? Let's be, let's be liberal, and let's be democratic, and let everyone do what they do. Everyone should do whatever they want. Well, of course, we'll tell everyone else what to do. Okay, that's I I don't want any political um, discussion. But the idea of let everyone do whatever they want, and let everyone just eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy life. Right? There's no rules, there's no structures, no anything. Right? Now so, so when you portray uh, orthodox marriage right unorthodox negatively it, it's so easy it's basically rules against no rules it's rules against no rules. Just recently, I was learning with a, a of mine about about um about tying the shoelaces. so I saw an article where somebody writes about the you know how how he didn't have ha about everything, even about tying shoelaces. but the way the article started it wasn't it was written in Portraying things a little interesting. The way this article started was, uh, did you, is it interesting to you that is it interesting to you that Orthodox Jews have um, rules and restrictions in the bedroom? They even have rules when it comes to tying shoelaces. There's that American thing of, of you know, when it comes to intimate life, when intimate life, when it comes to the, you know the the insides and the you know of married life, they give these rules and you tell people what to do. So it's so easy to make it look like whoever's living by rules when it comes to anything you know, personal that that, that must be very technical it must be very technical you basically telling me how to you know, how to be close to someone how to have a relationship it's so easy to, to make that look bad let's, let's just start with that um, but you know it's not so different let me give let me give, a, let me give an, a, an analogy to this a way, to, a way of it. I don't know if anyone's gonna I don't know how many people are gonna, are gonna like this or agree with it but It could be it's going to make some sense to some people, okay? The analogy of, and it's the same with every kind of overindulgence in anything. Let's give you the analogy of of eating, overeating, right? We know little kids uh, always want to eat nash, always want to just eat whatever they see, always want to just keep on eating and eating and eating, okay? The older you get, the more you understand that it's not such a great idea. It's not such a great idea to keep on eating, uh, very many people struggle with this. Very, very many people are going for therapy. Very many people are going through surgery. Very many people are just suffering from a lot of health issues. And very many people just can't stop. But little kids, they, they can't understand that. Now, to a child, you know, what's what, what paradise? What's going what Living in a candy store. Imagine you have a kid. You live in a candy store. This is your house. You could always go in. You could take whatever you want. There's gonna keep on coming deliveries with new kinds of nash every day. You have the sweet and the sour and the and the soft and the mushy and whatever you want. That, that's to a little kid. That's Ganeiden, right? Is it Ganeiden? Well, it's not really Ganeiden. Does any adult understand that a kid that's gonna move into the candy store, you know, could probably going to kill himself? Yeah, probably. You know, he he'll probably um, you know come up with a, with a lot of with a lot. Of, let's start with the kid's perspective. The kid feels that if I live in the candy store, I'll never be hungry. I'll never be sad. I'll, I'll always be in a good mood. I'll always have whatever I want. It will be so much fun and enjoyable, right? No restrictions. That, that Maybe one day there will be a law that you have to actually make a candy store in your house so that your kids shouldn't feel deprived. If not, the C, the, the ACS or the CPS or whoever they are are going to come take away your kids from you. But for now, we understand as adults, it's not a great idea. Any adult who's going to let a kid move into the candy store because that's what he wants, that's what he understands, um, will understand that your kid will probably never have normal energy just from eating all that junk. i will probably get very sick probably won't feel full or nourished or, or, or satisfied ever. He'll probably learn to soothe any discomfort by just eating junk and not know how to process anything or, or deal with anything in a healthy way. He'll probably be distracted from anything meaningful in life. Nothing meaningful will have place in his life if he's busy eating candy all day. And we understand all these things as adults that this is, this is terrible. This is, this is a recipe for disaster. This is probably the worst thing you could do to a kid. Now, it's all the good reasons to stop a child from... From overindulging, it's called overindulging in Nash, even if he's not living in a candy store, even if he's living in your house. The fact that the adult can't control himself, and the adult keeps on popping candies or chocolates, when the kid's not looking, that's because you can't stop. But the kid who you could stop, and you don't feel that, that drive, or that uh, temptation, or that craving, you definitely want your cho- child to understand. Now, does the child understand why you're stopping him? Does he have any idea, could he understand it, or he thinks he's just being mean to him? No, he can't understand it. You could explain it from today till tomorrow. It's for his benefit. You can give him all the, you know, all the nutritional facts and all the statistics and everything that could happen. All the, you know, but there's no way that he can understand it. He might very well think, you know, that he's smarter than you, that you don't understand, or you just hate him, or you're just picking on him. These are all normal ways of 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 the way, you know, the the different perspectives of adult who sees the bigger picture, understands what's important, uh, you know, versus the child. Now, when it comes to, let's call it. On the court, and this is how it is with everything. Let's talk about that. This is how it is with everything. Everything in life. You know, the kid always feels, why do you make me go to Haider? Why do you make me go to school? Why do I have to know science? Why do I have to know history? It's so stupid. It is stupid. Okay? I'm an adult, I also think it's stupid. But it's even stupider to be a dropout. It's even stupider to be a oybachochum. It's even stupider to not know what's going on. It's even stupider to. You know, there's, only, there's only things that kids just can't understand. And we, we're older and we see the bigger picture and we see how silly it is for, you know, for a kid to do whatever he thinks is right. When it comes to lost when it comes to all these romantic ideas that are that, that that there are out there, and all the all the ideas of of the liberal world that keep on infiltrating into our homes, you know, it, it, it's it's so similar. You don't realize on your own what it means when a person becomes so so self-absorbed and and overindulging, or whatever's pulling him in the moment, or whatever's whatever's just going to satisfy his his current need, and how that all takes away from so many other things, so many things that are important in a relationship, so many other things that are important. In a person's life, so many other things that that, that that are to deal with. So many things even just about emotional connection and about what's really important in, in, in a marriage. It's it's all it all just gets flushed down the toilet sometimes when everything is all about you know how I could enjoy myself and whatever's pulling me this moment. And the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding, and people aren't happier. The less rules and the less restrictions, people aren't happier. I know people don't like to look back and say, Well, where did we get ourselves? You know, that, that's always how it is. You don't look back. People, people don't look back and connect the dots. Or sometimes people do, and they know it, and they still keep on going. These things don't bring happiness. These things don't bring connection. These things don't bring marriage. They don't bring anything. They don't bring relationship. They don't bring anything. The main, the main part of a marriage is, 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 is the emotional connection and the, and, and, and the parts about being really connected, understanding each other. And sometimes it does contradict a lot of the, the, the self-indulgence, of all, of all kind of all, all the lustful attitude that there is, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it goes hand in hand beautifully. The way the Aybsh wants it, the way the Torah wants it. At The point of the Torah's marriage, the way the Torah procedure is not, is not about not, not enjoying, um, you know, whatever marriage has to offer. But the, I'm just saying the fact that there are rules and regulations, and we're told how to do things, I want to do things, even just on a simple sense, not having any rules and let everything being however you want, whenever you want, is not good for anyone. It's not good for anyone. Sometimes people can understand this. Sometimes people can't understand this. But it's not a question that a lot of this takes away from a lot of other things. Somebody told me recently, again, I can't go into detail I'm talking about sensitive things, somebody was telling me about somebody who was looking for someone, was willing to pay someone to connect with them, emotionally, not physically, emotionally. Let's have, let's have an emotional connection. And, and you know, the, everything costs money, so I'll pay whatever it costs. Have an emotional connection. Not a physical one, not one full of lust. And I couldn't get that. An emotional connection for money. No, there was a resistance to that. It could offer you a lot of things, but not an emotional connection. That's the real thing. So when somebody goes into marriage knowing that there's, some, there's so many more important things, it's not about... Forget about the Ehrlicha way of doing things. Nothing to do with what the Torah is telling you, you could or can't. Just the idea of not getting distracted by everything around you know, what marriage is supposed to be and knowing what a relationship really is. And then adding to that whatever kind of pleasure and enjoyment there is in it, it's a whole different thing. In general, those who break away from whatever they uh, grew up with, sometimes what, what looks so tempting at first glance, and you go into a deeper and deeper and deeper, and you don't find yourself. I'm you, it's like the kid who was sitting by, by a good dinner, where everyone's getting full, and everyone's, and they see the ice cream, they just like go into the ice cream um, tub, and just keep on eating it in until they eat themselves sick. Again, there's so many different ways of seeing it, there's so many ways of explaining it, and it all boils down to the same thing. You know, the old... Uh, analogy of the the leaf on the tree who didn't like that he was so connected and restricted and couldn't fly and he saw his friends uh, you know in the fall his friends were blowing away and this leaf got away and that one got away and it looks like everyone's just flying and enjoying themselves and of course it didn't take long for them to dry up and shrivel up and not be so happy anymore. So so often a lot of these restrictions I'm saying even just on on a technical and practical sense they're so helpful to help people just focus on what's right and do what's right. Now on the other hand Let's, let's do the whole the whole, other, the whole um, second part of this. On the other hand, and this is an argument I like, I always like seeing two sides of a story, two sides of a coin. I do understand liberalism. I do understand the attitude of eat drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. You know why? Because I think, and I, I feel, and I tell this to people, at the end of the day, a person has a lot of truths. So if somebody wants to be an idiot, somebody wants to say, you know what, I don't care about my health. I want to smoke cigarettes. I don't care about about uh, what, what, uh, what alcoholism could do to me. That, this is what's important. I want I want it. I'm an addict, or I like it, or whatever, the nicotine, the drugs. This is what I want. You can tell me, well, you won't live long. I, I asked you to live long. I want to enjoy myself. At the end of the day, some people might even make that conscious decision. It's not just that they can't overcome it. They want it. Why, why, should I, why should I be concerned with the big picture? What am I going to have from it? Why do I want to live long? I want to enjoy myself. I'd rather live short and enjoy myself than live long and not enjoy myself. I understand it. You know why? Because at the end of the day, that instinctive animalistic uh, attitude and perspective is is typical of a Goy who doesn't believe in anything bigger. In other words, one Goy might say that living a long life, a healthy life, a productive and fulfilling life, that's what's important in life. Having an impact on the world or whatever kind of fancy words you use to give that emotional and psychological fulfillment. The other guy might say, who's to say that that's important? Who's to say that that's more fulfilling? To me, fulfilling is 15 years in this world... You know, stuffing myself with, with drugs and, and money and lust and, and, and whatever else it is and that's what's going Who, Why? who's to say what's important you know what the answer is the answer is that without a belief system without believing in something higher and more that's going to decide for us what's right it's up, it's up for grabs that debate you can use all the logic in the world you could use all the proofs and all the understanding all the, all the arguments and at the end of the day who's to decide what's right and wrong who's to decide what's, what's better maybe this is better The answer is that it's only if you believe in something that's higher than you, that's going to decide what's right and what's wrong, and what's the bigger and more important perspective of what's really right and what's really better, and living a long life that's a fulfilling life, and and a life full of Torah mitzvahs. If you're going to let that decision be made for you, then, you know, it's a whole whole different thing. So everything boils down to the ultimate truth of of Torah, and and Hashem's roots, and and the Borei who created this world knows what's best for us. So often I hear people debating things using logic as if logic is going to prove who's right and wrong and it's up to grabs because as long as it's my logic against your logic or my or your logic against my feelings, I can still be right. I can still be right. You think that's important. I think this is important. Who said? Who's to say? Well, who's going to decide at the end of the day if the child is more important or I'm more important or the, or the, the spiritual aspect is more important or the physical? And the, who's to say? It's only if you believe in something greater and we do. And we do. We all do. Every does. As much as we sometimes do or don't want to um, admit it at the end of the day it all boils down to do we believe in Hashem and His Torah and what He said and what He was what He decided and how He gave over His word for the Chach you Ador know, to decide what's good for are we going to believe in that or not if we will then we're committed to something greater even if we don't understand it and if we don't then then, then nothing is um... so aside from believing that Hashem gave us the recipe for happiness and seeing even in, in, in technical you know, even just in practical day to day life and relationships how the people that do things in a more normal and more, let's call it conservative, um, teuredig away, are usually and generally more happy, in the big sense. But that's debatable. Some people say, who said just because the divorce rate by us is less than by them, means we're happier? Okay, I happen to have a front seat row into people's homes and relationships, and I can tell you, clearly, that people that are doing things teuredig and, and ruig and idle, you know, in a way that's more contained with, with, with some kind of regulation, some kind of um, modesty, some kind of respect for one another's dignity, and not just you know free for I can tell you clearly those people are happier, as opposed to people who thought that they'll make themselves happy by having no rules and being able, being able to do whatever they want and whatever you know the secular world will, will convince us is, is more fun and more enjoyable. I can tell you clearly those people are happier. But even if this was debatable, at the end of the day, if we're going to believe what the Torah says, it's a, it's a whole different story. It's a whole different story. And even if you're not sure about it, but the fact that it could be, you know the old, the old argument that the Kiri rabbis will tell you that even if you just uncertain if there's a a god in this world but it's not worth taking the chance of of making him angry and losing your ticket to the world to come but anyway, the point is not we definitely have something else that we see for the bigger picture and if we do, and if we believe in it, at the end of the day even if you're going to think you're going to be less happy and even if you feel being gypped, and even if you feel like it would be more fun to do things the other way we believe in things that are bigger than this we're not Muslim. We don't believe that the world to come is just more of this and more lust and more whatever. This is that, that's craziness. That's that's so trivial. No, Yid would ever want to invest a lifetime to get to that. That's right? that's right. But in this world, sometimes we give up the a, 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 a world to come because you know this is what we're looking for. But anyway, so yet as stifling as the Torah might seem to you, if you could come to understanding that the Torah is best for us and the most enjoyable and brings the most happiness, that's wonderful. And if you can't get there, but you're committed to still listening even if you're going to feel a little uh, cheated, you'll probably still be able to at least help yourself understand that you're doing things you know, that, that, in, that in the bigger sense are going to bring more happiness and more fulfillment or, or more, more truth. More truth. So even if somebody would feel for whatever reason you know, that he's being cheated by not being able to smoke or do drugs or drink alcohol or whatever it is, that, that's not good. You know, but at the end of the day, if you could believe at least that there's more important things in life without feeling them, it's like everything else in life, where your logic and emotions don't match up, and you still decide to go after your logic, because at the end of the day, I know that my feelings are fooling me, and I know that there's, there's, there's more to it. So, let me just end off with this. You're concerned about a shidduch, and sometimes it looks like the old way of doing things might have been a little too... There's definitely been a lot, of more, a lot more awareness lately, it's true. The Torah of will never change, but it's true that parents take children's interests and what's good for them you know, more seriously. And I think that is good for parents to hear. And for everyone to know, looking for that emotional connection and looking for what's real and satisfying in a relationship is definitely more important. Um, you know, but making sure that we know that whatever the Torah is offering us is, is best for us, that's just comforting. Whether we feel it or in the areas that we feel it or not, it's, it's all the same. I also want to end off with this, and that is that much of what I said, I hope, will be helpful to people listening, whether it's you know, just discussing ideas that everyone knows already or just giving chizik to whatever it is. I hope that's there. For somebody like this questioner who may have been through difficulty and may be able to understand and hear and process everything I'm saying and it could still be so difficult to, to relate to. I'm telling you clearly, don't, don't be surprised if after whatever you've been through it's very hard for you to take what I said and live with it and understand it and make peace with it. It doesn't go like that. It's not so easy in real life. You can know it and hear it, and and even believe it, and you don't feel it, and you just get overtaken all over again every once in a while. And, and, and I think what you need is to get help. I'm not saying you should go for therapy. I'm not saying you should go to anyone specific. Maybe you just want to talk to someone who's been there and done it. And I could, if you want to reach out to me, I could definitely hook you up with somebody who's been there and done it, and could guide you and give you the chizik and give you the encouragement and the support that you'll need, you know, to be able to get over whatever rough patch you've been through, um, unless you're ready. You've already, you already reached there. I'm just saying, it's fine for people to realize that with everything you hear, and everything that makes sense to you, it can still be so hard. And very often it is hard. And, you know, like everything in life, there are things that are hard, and sometimes alone we can't do things, and we need help. We need help from Hashem, we need help from Shem, and sometimes we need help from somebody to help us with it. So I definitely give you my baruchah to find the right shidduch. And for everyone out there to find the right shidduch for themselves and for their children, to know how to connect um, the right way at home, to know how to have that emotional connection, and the real, uh, the deeper meaning in marriage understand what it is and feel good about it and understand that being committed to Hashem and being committed to having a, a biased name and be through with his ashur Sashchenda seeing the big picture and not being like Aisov who just lived in the moment that didn't know that there's anything bigger and then gave up on a lot of things that are bigger you know when I yourself, we could all live together with true Ahava Ach